0: What is Demystifying Research? Hosted by me, Kelly Harris, and me, Katherine Hoyt. Demystifying Research is a space where we dialogue on training, careers, and all things research.
1: Everything from is research right for me to thinking about applications, mentorship, which research degree is right for me, handling failure and rejection, CVs versus resumes, and funding. This is a space where we engage in discussions around the questions we all have or have had when considering a career in research and science.
0: As clinician scientists, we seek to answer questions and address issues that aren't clearly addressed in more formal spaces, things that weren't addressed in our clinical training, questions that we may not know how or where to begin to seek answers. This is not a space only for scientists and researchers, but for anyone who may be interested in science and research. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. Rohea, do you want to maybe introduce yourself and then we can talk a little bit about what the role of like what it what is a DGS?
2: Sure. So my name is Rohea Olmeski and I'm an associate professor at Washington University. And uh, yes, Kelly is correct. This is my second uh, time being uh, the director of graduate studies. Um, my my work is uh, my original training is in science education. Um, the, my PhD was in a curriculum and instruction uh, setting, but uh, I've really branched out since then. So my work really focuses on um, studying the socio-cultural dimensions of science education, specifically looking at marginalized groups of students um, and uh, the ways in which we can um, really uh, uplift their voices. And um, my research focuses on providing them with better schooling experiences. Um, More recently, I've really focused on anti-Blackness and bringing that into cultural discussions. Uh, So the cultural responsive um, conversations, just adding the layer of race into that.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about what that role of DGS is and uh, what that
2: looks like? Yeah, so I I think Director of Graduate Studies um, looks a little bit differently depending on where you are, the type of um, you know department and uh, of course, um, you know there's there's so many different intricate details of how it might be different. but I think that overall we could say that director of Graduate studies is um, the role that is from my perspective the entry point into the doctoral studies experience for PhD students. It's that individual who you interface with, Primarily first, um, although um, in some programs you have an advisor that you've already identified that you want to work with as your major professor, the director of graduate studies is really there to make sure that all of the details of your experience are smooth. Um, in, in my particular department, um, you know I, I do all sorts of things ranging from teaching the first course, which is a doctoral seminar. Um, I do that twice, so it's like the first and second year students um, receive that experience. And so that's the, one of the first courses that they receive, as well as um, you know mentoring uh, in informal capacities um, to students as they are um, you know, starting to navigate the program. Uh, so yeah, that's a in a, a nutshell.
1: That's so helpful. I'm wondering if you think that prospective students or people that are interested in pursuing a PhD or career in research should they reach out to the director of graduate studies before they start? Is that kind of a point of contact? But
2: Yes, so so okay. for sure, for sure. So the director of graduate studies also has a role with prospective students. So when I was speaking a minute ago, it was more aligned with the, the current students um, or the ones who are entering into the program. But um, anytime that you have questions and you're trying to find out about a program, usually the point of reference on a, a website would be that DGS. And uh, that person can answer questions about the types of programs that are available, whether or not there are specific advisors who might be more aligned with the the area of interest that you have, they can help direct you to and suggest that maybe you might contact this professor or another professor. and I think, um, yeah, it's it's uh, the best starting place because oftentimes students get overwhelmed by their web the website. They don't know what questions to ask. But uh, yeah, just thinking about the website and how you might be able to understand um, what's there, then DGS can can be a good starting point.
0: So I was just. Um... I I think you brought up an important point in there. And I think it's important, especially like I'm thinking back to my own experience and a difference that I didn't realize existed between programs or departments or, you know, is that like you can enter and go straight into a lab, have an an identified advisor before you even start your PhD program, or you could enter a program without having done that. Is that fair? And so in the case if you, you know, and so like in my case, I entered, I hadn't I had an idea about, you know, potentially who I would maybe want as an advisor, but I didn't enter into a lab. And so in those cases, the DGS is that person that is like that advisor until they have an advisor. Is that fair? Yes. Um, is that an important question for prospective students to ask, to like understand that infrastructure, that that kind of framework, what in terms of the departments are looking at, is this the department where I really need to know exactly where I'm going versus...
2: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um and, and it differs. So you know, so the type of um for example, when I was DGS for you, Kelly, um, you know, back uh, many years ago, our program had a different structure at that time. We didn't um, ask students to identify their advisors until almost year three. So uh, although individuals could identify who they wanted to work with earlier than that, um, you didn't have to officially sort of declare um, who you wanted to, or, or agree upon the major advisor. Um, it's a lot different right now uh, because we have a more limited um, Uh, faculty to choose from in terms of that mentorship role and so you know that will happen all the time different departments or programs could have different sets of circumstances that will change and shift the infrastructure. And uh, it, the DGS is the best person for the students to ask that. Um, and for example, with uh, applications, when they're coming into our department, we actually want students to identify a couple of individuals that they might want to work with on the application um, from the beginning. Um, and that's not you know the case in, in, in every um, circumstance. So knowing, um, it's it's like it's it's like with anything right if you pick up something at the store and you don't look at the manual even though it might look like you know just something common that you would be able to like let's say it's like a a space heater and you're like i know how the space heater works but um but but this one might have a little bit of a special um you know adjustment or something different that you need to know uh so you know being uh that the, the dgs is sort of the manual for um, a department. It, it really, it's the living, breathing, personable manual. I love that,
0: um, that, that like example. Um, so you've talked about this a little bit, but I'm just wondering if you could talk about like, what does it look like in those first few kind of days, weeks, months, starting a program? Um, what is it, what are the students doing? What does it look like for them?
2: hmm yeah so i mean i i really love my role as a dgs um because i love the interface with students um and and really getting to know them in in ways that are very are very close and intimate because in that first semester when you're entering there's a lot of vulnerability that students are experiencing um just uh your i i I like to think of a life sometimes in terms of analogies and so um the individuals who are entering into PhD programs are already really skilled. They, they're bringing with them so many strengths. It's like, it's like you're a swimmer and you're an Olympic, you know, trained for the Olympics, right? You're, 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 you're really great. Um, You've been accepted because you deserve to be accepted. You've earned it. You, you know, you have all of these um, different um, strengths, right? But oftentimes PhD students are really, um, unsure and 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 feeling a little bit hesitant about whether or not they belong whether or not they're going to be able to be successful what to expect and so they they have these you know wonderful skill sets but it's like going to a brand new body of water or let's say diving into the ocean and you really don't know what to anticipate um, and so I, I, feel like in those first, very first weeks and months, it's just getting a, a bearing of your surroundings. Like, what is this, what is this water that I jumped into, right? How deep is it? How, how dark is it? Who are, you know, where, where are the places are there light? Is there a lighthouse out there? Is there, you know, a, a rope that I can hang on to here, um. And so, I feel like that's a lot of of what um, that very first part of the, um, based on things that students have told me, and just having you know spent a lot of time with students in that in that first uh, couple of weeks and months um, time period.
1: I really like that thinking about kind of the analogies and the things that we should we really should be thinking about in those first few months because it is a whole new pathway. I'm really interested in just all of the things that you've been saying about kind of the different points of contact and also how different programs function. I know my, the program that I was in, I started the program already in a lab and there wasn't really much flexibility around that, actually. Um, that That's how my program was designed. And so thinking about those different levels of support and kind of who you go to for different types of mentorship, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about who, who do learners go to in that first semester, in that first couple of years as they're navigating, who their mentor should be, picking a lab? What if other challenges come up? Um, what are the different places that people go to? It sounds like the DGS is a great first place.
2: hmm yeah, for sure. I mean, students will that, and and I, I think it's always good to think broader versus narrower. You don't want to go into a PhD program and only have one person that is your point person that you only contact with throughout the you know five six years um, process. And that person usually would would you know typically students would would latch onto and sort of like um, coalesce around a major professor. That individual who <laughs> is either the the lead on the lab or in the lab, or that person who is um, is specifically guiding their research. Um, but y- you want to do more than that. So a PhD student would would want to be identifying um, a, a network of support that will constantly evolve and grow and build. But um, oftentimes I talk to the doctoral students about, the different types of mentors, like understanding that certain individuals will be able to provide me with this type of support. Meaning, well, let's say it's, um, you know, access to or ideas about financial aspects of being um, a, a grad student, like access to grants or maybe being able to be, you know, um, part of a project that's already in existence that would um, allow you to, you know, to have uh, uh, something that's maybe financial in 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 um, in nature. Uh, added to your, um, to, we know that being a, a doctoral student is is, is hard work when, uh, in terms of uh, survival economically. Uh, so, so, you know, thinking about, you know, those types of opportunities. Then there's the individuals who would be there for research purposes. Who are the, um, you know, the major professor is one individual, but who are the other people around you in the department? Who are your um and maybe they've been instructors in classes maybe there are other faculty up and down the hallway who have expertise and um and experiences that you would be able to learn from and build on ultimately we're trying to work towards a place where you get to the point where you can do dissertation um, who are the individuals who are just going to be um, friends, like smiling eyes, right? I have one of my students recently, one of my new students um, had told me that, you know, as she was walking up and down the hallways of her first semester, she looked for smiling eyes. Um, and, and so, you know, how do, how do you identify those individuals who are going to be um, just, um, you know, positive uh, presence and energy in your life? Um, and, And of course, thinking about your cohort and fellow students and what types of relationships you'd have with them. Um, your chair, knowing who the chair is of your department or the director of your program, um, you know, because if there are issues that come up, you know, and you uh, need extra support, the DGS is one person, the chair is another person. Um, and also knowing the structure in the university, a higher level up, right? So starting to understand that, like, for example, at Washington University, we have an office of graduate studies, so that the OGS um, you know, understanding uh, where that is within the broader um, scheme of things. And so again, it's like starting to get a bearing of, you know, what is it that um, that I that I have access to, but also actively taking steps to um, to develop and to build this this uh, network. Um, so not a passive role, an observational one, but then you start to then take steps to make those connections as well.
0: Um, that I, I, I'm thinking of a few different things. So as, as I was listening, I was like, yes, just thinking about building the network. And I remember learning like, oh yeah, there's more than one mentor. There's more than one advisor. And you need this, you need to kind of map the system and then create your own network. But the other thing I was thinking about when I was listening, um, to just a moment ago was like, also building the muscle of just networking I think, I feel like that's something that I know as, I as a student came in, like unsure, like you said, of you know just kind of reaching out to people who I'd never spoken to before and, and making those connections was such a skill and a muscle I feel like I had to kind of hone and develop over time. Um, do you feel like um, as DGS, you kind of support students' development in that and really like, this is something you're gonna have to do for the entirety of your research career, figure it out now? Yeah,
2: actually one of the um, first things that I always tell students, um, and I don't know if Kelly, if you remember me telling you this, it's a long been a long time, but I would always encourage that, you know, try to try to set up a coffee time or like a meeting with with every single, you know, faculty. And in our case, it was it was easy for me to say every single faculty because there was not that many. Um, but you know, at least um a, a, a threshold number, you know, so go and sit down and be interested and engaged and ask questions about these faculties, um, you know, their research, their projects and um, and and in a genuine way, right? Because um, from the faculty side of things, because I can also speak to that, um, you, you know, no one wants to have a complete stranger come up to them and ask them at the last hour, Will you serve on my dissertation committee? You know, I'm in year five, or I'm in year. You know, I'm 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 almost there, and I need an extra person. Um, you know, faculty want to be able to feel like they are an integral part of a student's um, development. That they feel invested in them. They feel um, that you know they they they're part of that journey, uh, and and they are able to watch the growth and also facilitate it. So you know, there's. Um, a, a very much like I think a, a, a DGS role is to really encourage students and um, and 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 really kind of set up opportunities also for those connections to happen. So something that I did this semester in my doctoral seminar was to invite in professors to come in and visit with uh the, the first and second year students. And uh, in one case, we went out to to lunch or, you know, we sat uh, and had um, lunch with uh, one of the professors and uh, the students really, um, the first and second year students really um, gave me feedback that indicated that this had been a very important um, experience that they had had. So I think, you know, something that I learned is that I've been saying this for a long time but, um, but sometimes students aren't even sure where to start. So I think also facilitating those opportunities, at least now the, the students and the faculty have interfaced one time, right? So if the student then comes back and says, can we follow up and can we continue this conversation that we started, um, you know, can we go out to coffee or can we, you know, sit down over lunch, then it's a lot easier because something that my students have told me is that, they are not always sure about what is appropriate um, in in making those first connections to faculty. Is it okay for me to, you know, is it, am I being presumptuous to say that, you know, I would like to sit down and and discuss research, you know, where, um, so that again, goes back to that uncertainty and and just, um, uh, you know, um, feeling like they don't want to, break any norms, uh, you know, the unspoken uh, unspoken norms that um, they might not be aware of.
1: That's so such an important thing, I think, for us to begin thinking about uh, for ourselves, but also potentially, at least for me as a mentor, you know, facilitating those first relationships. What I'm really wondering now is, it sounds like that's a hard moment for some learners as they're navigating the first couple of semesters interacting with professors. Do, have you seen any other kind of roadblocks or challenges that many learners have encountered and how they could overcome them effectively? It sounds like some of that networking
2: helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so So definitely the challenges that students will face will be unique to who they are and what their prior experiences have been. Um, I think this is important to like consider, especially if students are coming from um, historically minoritized backgrounds and thinking about how those challenges can look differently for our students. Um, And being, I I feel like um, it's important for us from the student perspective to be aware of what are the things that i might be facing that are a little bit different from, from what others um coming into this phd program might be facing i think that's that's an important perspective from the student side and then from the from the faculty side and from the dgs side um i think that it's um it's important for um there to be genuine engagement in Trying to understand what those specific might be, and to and to work with the student to um, to navigate right and to overcome, um, just to make it a little bit less abstract. Uh, sometimes students come into our programs, and they have had uh, a wealth of research experience, and and therefore they have really. Time students come into our programs and they have uh, they, their experiences have been uh, a wealth of research um, opportunities. And so they identify as researchers. They um, feel very confident in that aspect of their um, identity. They might be able to engage easily with with the data set, for example, or they you know, you, you might um, have an advisor who's like, oh, here's some existing data that I have why don't you you know take this in and run with it right and and one student might find that to be very in, engaging and invigorating and another student based on you know the, their experiences that they that they come with may find that to be very challenging and so um i i think that um students need to be able to recognize what they bring right and be able to communicate that to um, to 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 the faculty that they're going to be working with, and not this is not a time to be worried about looking bad, right? And this is not a time to be like, oh, you know, I just I I just um I I have to know it all and I have to come in and do it perfect and 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 so on. This is a time to be a learner, to be open, to be very honest about what you do and don't know, right? And to ask for what you need. Um, because uh, when you ask, you usually can receive. It's um it's very um uh, it's it's very hard to get what you need if you don't even ask the questions. And oftentimes um students are just really worried to ask because they're afraid that it will be a poor reflection on them. They're afraid that this may, you know, ruin, you know, the the next few years for them. Um and 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 so uh, I, I would say maybe the biggest challenge that one that 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 a student may face as they are entering into a phd program is their own self right and their own um um uh, hesitation to um, be okay with what they don't know and 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 um and and not uh th- yeah, not try to be the perfectionist that allowed the, the perfectionist self is often what allowed them to get to the, the point that they're on the PhD program. So it's hard to let go of that a little bit, but um, yeah.
1: What an important point though, to like, allow yourself to learn and recognize that you can do what you're still learning how to do and developing those skills, like Kelly was mentioning, like that muscle, I think of networking, I think is similar to, to being able to communicate what you know, and what you don't know, and what's comfortable and what's new and maybe a little uncomfortable um, still. Uh, While you were talking about that, it made me think just a little bit, and I know this could be a whole other conversation, but I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit about students that might be coming in in their first semester, and needing or benefiting from accommodations. Have you encountered that? And what does that look like for new learners or new people in PhD programs?
2: Accommodations that doctoral students might need. Um, there are the official diagnoses that a student might come to the university with, right? Um, Which I don't think that we as DGSs have been very prepared for how to address or even to find out like in my one case that I can think of over the years that I've that I have personally um assisted with this was um this was a student who you know had a diagnosis I didn't find out about until very far into their program right and um I you know I kind of um Created a solution on my own because there isn't really any sort of a manual or any guidance around what a DGS should do to, um, to to help and facilitate the success of a doctoral student who might come in with, um, with with a a, a variety of challenges and and that have been officially diagnosed. I think that outside of what the official diagnoses might be, that oftentimes I found that doctoral students need accommodations and and I and I, Forgive me if I'm using that word and it's not you know, appropriate to the, the more broad context, but I'm thinking about it now in, in a broader context. And so what I found is that, um, you know, again, based on the students' experiences and their background and, and also um, the amount of, of, of structural challenge that they may have had to navigate Um, in in society, whether it's uh, through, you know, experiences of poverty or being part of a lower socioeconomic um, uh, status and um, whether it's due to um, racial discrimination, ethnic discrimination, immigrant status, international, you know, there's so many different variety of, of, um, of challenges that students might be bringing or their experiences that they might have. That we do need to keep that in mind as we talk about sort of accommodating or trying to make sure that students have what they need. Um, and again, it really helps if students let the DGS um, as a first person as well as their advisor if they have one, know again, this very early on, very early on. Um, an example. Um, that, that I've uh, noticed is that when students, um, come in and let's say they're coming straight from a bachelor's degree and versus a student who's coming from a master's degree, um, sometimes they are coming in with a very limited, um, scope in terms of like the images of what a literature review might be. Let's just say like, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, which is really important, right as you're starting um, a PhD program, even just understanding what a literature review might entail, um, what that um, that process looks like, how would you even begin, how to even start asking research questions, right um, and and uh, and so um, in some ways, like I accommodate right um in, in quotation marks accommodate, um, the the students in my doctoral seminar, um, one of the first things that we do is we start this project of identifying some broad research questions that you're interested in. Let's start the process of a literature review. And so depending on my students and where they are and what they bring, um, I, I um, adapt that um, experience and that assignment in a way that there's more scaffolding for the ones who need it, and there's more opportunity for growth for those who might be more advanced. Um, And I think that that's a a smaller example of what we want to do more broadly speaking in every aspect of a PhD program uh, for our students um, to to make sure that we are cognizant of what their their areas for growth are and, um, and, and provide them with the support. Um, I think that's great. And I just, so I I feel like I've heard um you say a few
0: different times in a few different ways, a, you know, kind of meeting students where they are and trying to help acclimate them to the process, right? I remember um starting my program and and hearing, I think, my advisor, maybe even you, somebody was talking about, like, getting my sea legs and, you know, figuring out that balance. But the other thing I've heard you say that I think is really important is just this idea that students need to kind of ask for what they need. They need to use this as, as an opportunity to really be open um, and kind of find comfort in the discomfort and the vulnerability of starting something new. Um, and I'm just wondering if there are other like specific things that you think are really kind of critical for student success. Like you, you talked about students coming in with this wealth of skills that they don't really recognize or, or kind of acknowledge, and I can think back to feeling really insecure as a first year student and not, um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not seeing myself as coming in skilled, but seeing myself as like, oh God, I got to catch up because I should be where this third or fourth year student is. And that's not true, but are there other, you know, kind of qualities that you think or skills that students should really focus on, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, bringing in with them or develop, like thinking about as assets when they're entering programs?
2: yes yes for sure actually um i i mean i i have um a, an activity that i that i did uh recently with with some of my new doctoral students which was actually entitled cultivating success as a doctoral student and we collectively you know so so i can tell the students what you know i think will make them be successful but i like doing it um in a in a Collective um, collaborative manner, because they also know what will help them to be successful right and, uh, and so I think that that's part of the process um, is um, is is providing the space and the opportunities where. Um, you do, you do get some of that advice, but you also just reflect and think about what do I already know about what has allowed me to get to this point? Like you, you've gotten here because you were successful, right? You, you are a successful individual. And so what has worked for you over time um, and, and thinking about, you know, those different skills, but then also um, again, it's like the, 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 the expert swimmer, right? But in a new body of water, just like figuring out how to use those skills. So some of the things that we talked about um, collectively and some of the, these ideas, I can't even remember which ones were mine and which ones were the students, but we discussed the idea of um, being really sure to take care of yourself every single day consistently right you're and 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 we're talking about like the students were like, like you know basic needs like at certain points you 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 know um you become used to not eating or skipping you know skipping that meal or getting you know not enough sleep or um maybe not um Consistently going out and, and exercising, you know, th- we just kind of let things fall by the wayside. So I would say, like, it's really important to make sure that you are taking care of yourself, making it a top priority. Um, and under that category, um, the idea of monitoring your emotional and mental health um, this is like, I cannot overemphasize this enough. Um, that is the top priority. Um, Yes, I know there are classes you have to take and there's research that you've got to do. And maybe there's, you know, if you've joined a lab, there's expectations for what you're supposed to start doing. And the list goes on and on and on. But if you are not well, you will not finish. Right. And you and that's our end goal. And that's what I always remember. PhD remind PhD students that we are here to finish but also of course we are here to impact the world to make the world a better place and um and so if he, if you are not in a good space yourself you will not be able to do the work that will impact the world in a in a, and i know that sounds kind of cliche right but but it's true i mean why do why would anyone dedicate their life for 6 years to do research like ultimately the research that we're going to be engaging in and and our experiences that we're going to have post PhD, is designed to do something that's significantly um, impactful. And so we have to have that, um, you know, in terms of a skill set, if we're going to think about skill set, is understanding the prioritization of things appropriately. Um, And, and, and so putting yourself first is not being selfish, it's providing yourself with what you need so that you can complete, um, uh, the, 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 the journey successfully. Um, another area that I've, uh, that we've discussed, you know, with students, um, with my students is, um, the idea of making sure to take care of social relationships, um, which is something that I wouldn't have necessarily like, you know, really, and I'm pretty sure this was one that came directly from, uh, the, the, the students without my, um, my, my prod, prodding um, but the the idea of um, that yes i've talked a lot and in this podcast about you know the social networks in terms of professionalism and those mentors and right up and down the hallways of the of, of the university and thinking across campus and all of that but they all, also brought to my attention that you need those social relationships with the important people in your life who are going to be there right and they're going to be that solid rock when you're getting to the point where you're like, okay, dissertation's never getting written, um, and so you know, um, it, preserving that um, piece of of um, your life uh, is is really uh, critical because the Ph.D. is one part of life; it is not everything. Um, uh, and then I think I already mentioned this earlier, but the idea of asking for help. Um, also finding a variety of places where you can be productive is something that we have just you know talked about if if you um if you know that you get work done really well in a certain space and again this is again reflecting on what has worked for you you've been a successful student where does your great you know learning happen? where is the where is um the excitement and your engagement the highest uh is it you know at home and in in your room uh you know in front of a particular window that you love to look out um is it in the library um down in the deepest darkest cre- crevice where no one can find you <laughs> um you know where is it that what what works for you um and being um you know being aware and then um uh, uh you know uh, making sure to uh to to follow through um and being open and flexible to changing like your location and um you know okay it's not working for me this always worked for me before it's not working for me okay well let's do something different and that's all right so flexibility is really important um beginning to build a library um for yourself right it could be an electronic one in terms of like Um, starting to collect um, articles that uh, that 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 are in a particular area that you're interested in or books. Um, A lot of times students are not aware that there's funding there for students to acquire books that they would like to um, add to their library or build their library. Um, And so if you're a person that likes the tangible ones, right, you can do that if you want the electronic ones. And so asking again um, for for that, but um, also just using your own access to the library to download different things that, um, because as you read more and learn more about your particular area of interest, that um, gaining your sea legs, like you were saying, Kelly, a minute ago, or feeling less um, unstable, um, that that will happen naturally as you can speak with more and more confidence about something that you're studying. Uh, it just happens by default so um so 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 building that sort of library. Um, uh, another really important piece, create a calendar. And stick with it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, uh, this is something that I, 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 I'm talking to myself here. Um, but you know, does de- designing part of your calendar being that you know I am going to, you know, every Thursday morning from seven to eight, that's my exercise time, no matter what. If someone wants to schedule a meeting with me at that time, or I, you know, I, but that that's going to be when I go to exercise. Um, From, you know, eight to 10, once every two weeks, that's when I sit down and I just free write and I'm just, you know, I'm a new student and I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit down and and put down all the thoughts that I have around coursework that I'm taking or all the thoughts I have about the question that I might be starting to, you know, to start to formulate. So creating a calendar helps to um, designate times, um, for things that are important and habits that you want to start to establish and that you want to maintain over the duration of your PhD program, aside from the common things that you're going to put in a calendar, um, like meetings and, 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 uh, and, um, class times and things like that. Um, and, uh, something that is, I think, really, really important, uh, that again came out of this really nice conversation I had recently with students is that do what you enjoy, do what you enjoy. Don't research something that your mentor wants to research or that someone told you is a really hot area that you should you know that you should um, get involved in. Do what um, you're passionate about. Um, when I was going through my doctoral program back in the day when i was when i was young um it was uh you know very common in science education to study misconceptions students misconceptions that they have about science content knowledge and um and and you know i find it mildly interesting but definitely not what i was passionate about I was way more passionate about understanding, you know, the what was what were the dynamics of what was unfolding for um, marginalized kids in classrooms and why why, you know, were we getting this underrepresentation in STEM. And so you know, finding that there are I want students to like prospective students and existing students to know that there are literally thousands of directions that you can go in within a particular um, area of research and you know probably you know gosh thousands and thousands of different research questions that you could ask that would be viable that you could probably get approval for for, for studying right i mean there there the it's really limitless in terms of you know what direction you want to go in um, and now there's a big focus, I uh, you know, on, on transdisciplinary studies, you know looking across all how do we study and answer questions from a you know broader perspective. And so um we we really want to um, encourage. Um, uh, students to do what is going to keep you motivated keep your eye on the prize like know that yes you want to graduate one day so don't do something that is unattainable (laughs) right (laughs) and you have your whole life to 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 do everything that you want in terms of you know your research but um but (laughs) that there there's that big but You, you 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 know you you definitely want to do something that um that you feel really good about um, and I think the the last piece that I really want to emphasize in terms of skills is um, developing an understanding that um, grades do not matter anymore. I, I know that they, you know, quote unquote, matter, <laughs> right? But, but, you know, learning matters. So you give, you go into a PhD program and get me A's in all your classes, but you can't apply anything that you did in your classes to your research, then you're not going to be in a good place. And again, you probably will struggle to finish, right? So I always tell students in every single class Mm -hmm. that you go into, think about this class and ask yourself, how can what I'm learning here directly facilitate or help or somehow be connected back to what I really want to do, right? And finding those connections is such an important skill set. I think like you can find it. I've had I've had students who do amazing like I get I get floored when they come back and tell me how they took a class that feels really, really removed from what they're wanting to study. And they found ways to like link that and 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 so again like you know right people who are coming into the phd program these individuals are amazing they have such um you know a wealth of 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 strengths and so it's just a matter of how do you take that intellectual um uh you know know know-how and look at these classes that you oftentimes are being required to take and you know you so they may not may or may not be interesting to you but then bring it over
0: I think there's so many gems in there. I, um, I, but I think the things that like are, that landed so deeply with me are the kind of do what you love, do what you enjoy. And that you the goal is to finish and, um, that like, you don't have to do everything in this one time. I feel like, you know, that's a, um, as students, we kind of feel like we have to do it all and we have to, you know, um, it has to all be perfect. And, um, you know, I think about that—that that saying, the perfect enemy of the done. Like you do need to get it done, and think about what you can do later. And so i, I don't know—I so many gems in there. Um, I think it's a perfect note to close on. We are so—we're um, delighted to have had you join us today, um, and just excited for um, prospective students to hear this. I think it's such a valuable input, and I think even just thinking about balance and you know all the things you shared about protecting your—you know—our mental health, your social. Um, spaces encourage you know making sure you have family and and keeping those connections with the people in our lives that that helped us get to that point
2: mm-hmm.
0: to be successful. There, my dog's barking. Everybody can probably hear it. Sorry, mm-hmm. but no, I think um yeah, I'm just uh, so much is just rolling around, so much to think about. So thank you so much for joining us, Maria. This has been a great discussion.
2: Oh, well, thank, thank you for... so much. Sorry, thank... no, no, I was saying thank you for having me, and um, I, I, I really. I, I so much um, appreciated that you are doing this topic. Whenever I saw the uh, the the demystifying uh, language, I was like, "That's that's wonderful." Because I think that PhD students would really really appreciate both the perspective and the the practicing the, the current ones will um, really appreciate it. So thank you for for your work um, to help um, students and and for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Check out our other episodes to hear more. You can find the first season on YouTube under Washington University Program and Occupational Therapies channel under the First Fridays for OT Research playlist.
0: And more episodes of Demystifying Research linked under the Research tab on the Washington University OT webpage at ot.wustl.edu. That's ot.wustl.edu. Send us your ideas for future episodes at domestifyingresearch at woostal.edu.